All right. How you guys doing? So good to see you guys. Um, man, I love this ministry so much. And uh, I really do honor this ministry, and I do honor the campus directors. I honor Tina so much. If you guys love Tina, can you guys just give a shout-out? Your campus loves you. Your students love you. Man, because I think back to when I was a college student, and honestly, my college years are some of like, the most craziest years you know, as a Christian in my life. Um, I grew up as a pastor's kid, and so I kind of grew up into the religion. Um, I don't know how else to say it, but like, I don't ever remember a time in my life where I wasn't saved. Like, I just don't. I'm not trying to come off like super holy or anything, but like, I, I'm really trying hard to remember. Like, was there ever a time in my life where I just didn't know you, God? Or, you know, even when I was a little kid, like God was like, was like my imaginary friend, and like I just he he was just he played some part in my life, whether I whether I liked it or not. Um, but then I just realized that growing up. You know, into the faith, and, you know, my dad was a pastor, so, you know, I have to go to church every Sunday, and I'm sure that was a big part of it. I think I just kind of fell into sort of a religious sort of expression of Christianity, if that makes sense. You know, you just kind of go to church on Sundays, um, you say your prayers before you eat every day. Um, sometimes I would actually have an extended time of prayer, and I would just, all I would do is just uh, recite every Bible verse I could in my memory, and just pray for everything possible, and then as soon as, like, you know, I hit 45 minutes or 30 minutes. I'm like, oh, I'm done. Whew. And then I go play StarCraft. And it's just, man, I just, I live. There's a brother who plays StarCraft. Um, I'm sure all of you guys did. But um, I just had this religious sort of thing about Christianity. And it wasn't until college where I, I really got introduced to, um, you know, the God of the Bible. Or in the sense of just the supernatural God. You know, I, 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 ha- I met this guy um, in college. And he ended up becoming my spiritual father. Um, and it's even funny how that kind of happened because the college that I went to was not my first choice. Um, I'm from New Jersey, by the way. Any from, anyone from New Jersey here? All right, all right, woo. I'm just going to look at you guys while I share about this part. But um, um, just joking. But, like, my college, like, I just, man, it was like, my, it was the state college. I went to a college called Rutgers, Rutgers College, New Jersey. Um, do you guys know Rutgers? You know, Pastor David, he, he went to Rutgers. And so, um, but I think I went to the better campus. You were, you were at Newark, right? <laughs> just joking, just joking. It, it was his birthday yesterday. I should be a little nicer to him today. Um, that doesn't make sense because it was your birthday yesterday. I, I could be mean to you today if I wanted to. He's not listening. Okay, so anyways, <laughs> he's just blocking me out. So I went to Rutgers, and honestly, I did not want to go there. Because that's like the school, if you live in Jersey, it's a school where all the Asians go to. It's like the school where if you don't get into like the Ivy League colleges, like, like it's like their safety. We call it the safety school, you know? And so like, I wanted to go to a college called Wheaton College, Chicago, Illinois. Y'all know Wheaton? My hero was uh, Billy Graham. You guys know Billy Graham? Man. And uh, I, I, after I read his autobiography, the summer of my junior year in high school, I felt the first calling in my life to become a pastor. And then my dad was like, thank you, Billy Graham. Because my dad, <laughs> yeah, my dad wanted me to be a pastor and everything. And I was just, I didn't want to be a pastor. I mean, all I wanted to do in my life, my biggest passion was to make video games. You know? And this, this is before all the video games are, like, when I look at video games right now, they're so cool. It's like, I haven't even played something in a long time, but the little moments I, I go over a friend's house and look at video games, it's like you're in a movie. It's like crazy. But back in the day, video games were kind of, it wasn't that cool as it is today. I think the most impressive video game at the time was like, I don't like Final Fantasy. You guys ever heard of Final Fantasy? Yeah, Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy VIII. Like the 3D graphics, like, oh my gosh, it's 3D. It's not 2D anymore. So um, anyways, I wanted to do that. And my dad would come home from... Um, what we call shinbang in Korean. That means visiting other people's houses, praying for them, and coming back home. He'd see me playing video games, and he would be like this. You know, um, you know I can't, I, I don't want, I'll not speak this Korean because I don't want to alienate you guys. But it's kind of like, you know, what is a kid doing playing video games when he's called to be a pastor? Oh, it's just, it lacks the meaning of it, seeing in English. It's like, uh, <laughs> And you know, I, 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 you know, I would understand if I was like 33 or like 32, you know, you know I'm like, I'm going to act together, get married and stuff. I was 13. <laughs> I mean, come on. Guys, don't ever do that to your kids. Let them have fun. Let them play video games. Amen? Okay. But anyways, 
And so he was like worried my entire time, you know, while I was going through high school. But then that summer, I read Billy Graham's autobiography. I, and then uh, I was like, man, this is what I want to do. I want to go around, preach the gospel. I want to lead people to Christ. And I just felt the burden in my heart for that. And then my dad was just like crying when he heard out. He's like, oh my goodness, there is a God, you know. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he believed there was a God all the time. But, but, um, but like, yeah. And then um, I went to go to Wheaton College and I applied to Wheaton. And when I became a Christian, it's like my grades, like I got... Like, before I became a Christian, I was averaging a 2.7 GPA in high school. Now, that's not very good. Some of you guys are like, whoa. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to know what your GPA was. But, like, I was just like, and, you know, I was depressed. But then after I became a Christian and I really put my back into it, I, in one year, one year and a half, my GPA went from 2.7 to 3.8. Like, I freaking straight aid, you know, high school. And, like, my brother was always a straight-A kid, so I'd be like, ha, ha, ha. Um, it was like my revenge, but um, not, not really. But it's like as I became a Christian, it's like everything changed in my life. And then I, I applied to Wheaton. I, I, I visited the school. I actually flew out and visited the school. As I'm saying that, I can't believe I actually did that. <laughs> and I visited, and I remember telling a tour guide, I'm like, I really want to go here. And, like, as if, like, that would have helped. Um, and he was like, oh, whoa, who's this weird kid? And uh, I visited the Billy Graham Center. And it was the coolest thing. And, and like, man, I was so, like, into, into, like, that school. But then I got a letter that said, I'm sorry, this year was a very competitive year. You've been put on the waiting list. Hey, it's better than getting rejected, right? So I was like, okay, I was a waiting list. The waiting list, at least. Um, and so in, in the end, I eventually didn't end up making it in. So I had to take my Rutgers application out of the trash. Like, true story. And I'd be like, okay, how do you do this thing? And even my essay, I didn't even, like, put much effort into it. You know, it's like, I like butterflies. Okay. And I sent it in. And somehow I got in. You know, they accepted me. And, um, and like, it's crazy, Rutgers. Um, but then, um, after, but when I was there at college, I was like, what am I doing here? I shouldn't be here right now. I should be at a better school. And um, I guess that kind of sounds arrogant when I think back upon that. But then I went to this church. And then, uh, then that's where I met this guy named Pastor Sam Lee, you know, and I, I consider him kind of like a spiritual father in my life. And he opened my eyes to the prophetic. He opened my eyes to the Holy Spirit. Like, I didn't know that God could talk to people, you know, more than just reading the word. Like, you know, reading the word is important. That's always a foundation. But I didn't know God could, like, send images and things like that, that he could speak to us. Like, we can have a dynamic relationship with God. That it's not, like, about a religion. It's about a relationship. And that became so highlighted to me in college, and I fell in love with God all over again. I believe it was during those years that I was filled with the Spirit, and it was during those years that I just, uh, yeah, like I was just on fire in college. And, and I had a chance to transfer to Whedon because they're like, okay, you know, we know that you've tried and you made it on the waiting list. We'll give preference to you if you try one more time. But I was like, you, just, you rejected me this time. <laughs> I found my church. I found, you know, and, and God changed my life so much during that, time, during that year. Like, my Sunday services, I would come out more changed during one Sunday service message than the entire, than the entire retreat I've experienced before in my past. Like, one Sunday service. And I remember every, after every Sunday service, I would run up to my pastor and have him pray for me. I was like, I'm so hungry. And so it was just such a crazy time in my life. so dynamic. And, and man, like, I can only imagine what some of you guys are going through right now as you're going through Emmaus and, and you're encountering God in fresh ways. And I just want to say, like, you know, it's kind of a long, wide intro, but it also shares, tells you about myself a bit. But, like, man, don't, don't squander this time. Like, God is doing something powerful. He's doing something special here in Emmaus. And, and man, just take it all in. Receive it. Um, because, you know, it's not, there's very few places, I believe, on the earth where, where people, there's community, like this community here, that's running with all their hearts and their soul and mind and strength for, for the Lord and loving the Lord uh, with everything they have. It's a ministry of fire, and man, you guys need to take that away from here. And so I just, I just remember how crazy college was for me, and, and uh, I, get, I get excited for you guys. Because sometimes I just wish I can go back in time and, and just relive those years. Um, not that my years right now are boring. I mean, it's awesome. God's so great and awesome. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I just get envious. I get jealous. I get jealous of you guys and everything you guys are going through. But, um, but yeah. Um, Katina mentioned that I just got ordained. And so, um, speaking of retreats, I was at a retreat this past week from Monday to Wednesday. And it's like a retreat for people who are getting ordained, ordained pastors. And honestly, like I am the fifth pastor 
yeah, yeah. I'm the fifth pastor at New Philly to get ordained. So um, there were there were four others before me, and they all went through the same thing that I went through. And then they um, and and every time they talked about this retreat that they had to go through, it wasn't like the most glorifying thing that they would talk they would say about it. You know, they would just kind of be like, "Yeah, it was okay. It was all in Korean. We didn't understand anything. We just kind of went through it, and, and that's it." And so, um, so you got to understand. For me, going to this retreat, I didn't have like the highest expectations. Um, I mean, I've been on every retreat you could imagine, um, you know, throughout my life. I'm having grown up as a pastor's kid, and then in college doing worship ministry, I would travel around. Um, I would go to like 20 retreats per year um, as part of a praise team and lead worship, or or just you know as part of a praise team. And so it's just kind of like I've been through the whole retreat thing. I don't, you know. But then I felt God was saying, just be humble, Joel. Just go there and just be humble. And so I was like, okay. You know, I'll look at it as a time for me to improve my Korean because everything was in Korean. And then I went. I was just like, God, just, uh, just speak to me. And, uh, and like, I, I go in, and, and, and it's like they, they usher us into this big auditorium, and, and, and everyone's, like, seated separately all over the room, and, like, we don't know each other. It's like, you know, it's not like, it's not like, it's not like here where you guys, you know, you guys are buddies. We're like, we all don't know each other. We're all from different backgrounds, different ages. And I just feel like I just get the sense that everyone's there just to go through with it, you know? And then at the end of it, somehow get the credentials to get ordained. And so I was like, oh, okay, this is what it's going to be like. Uh, but then we had a worship service, and the worship service was so, so powerful. Like, they invited a Korean worship team in, and this Korean worship team called C5. Um, people like your age, actually, you know, very young, young guys. But then they had such anointing over them. Like, I can't explain. Um, sometimes I like to brag about our worship team at New Philly. How many of you guys love our worship at New Philly? Woo! <laughs> that was so weird. You guys at the same time, it's like, woo! It's like the same key as well. It's like, <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, straight. Okay, anyways. So it was like, <laughs> you guys all did the same motion too. It's like, woo! <laughs> you guys have to see it from my eyes. But anyways, um, but like, man, like Korean, Korean praise teams, like they can, they can go at it. Like these guys are annoying. They're skilled. Like I play electric guitar and I play electric guitar for like 18 years and, you know, I guess I'm bragging when I say it like that. But, uh, but their electric guitar is there. Like, he was younger than me. And he was doing all this crazy stuff. Like, during the intros of songs. He'd be like, one, two, three, four. You know, all this, like, crazy stuff. That sounds like the Mario intro. <laughs> Mario. But he was doing stuff like that. I was like, oh, you know. And I was like, I was, I was so blessed by them. And the worship leader was, like, so good. Like, you know, worship leaders... It's not easy being a worship leader. We've got to give props to Pastor D.A., you know? Sometimes it's awkward, you know, being up here and trying to lead people who don't want to worship into leading worship and, and you know, trying to be like, you know, get people and, like, manipulate people to sing and raise their hands. <laughs> I was a worship pastor for a while. I know what it's like. But this guy, man, he was so smooth. So smooth. He was so good. He had authority. And he was like, you pastors, you tell your churches all the time to praise, jump up and down. We're, we're singing a fast song here, and none of you guys are doing it. And we were like, oh, ouch. <laughs> and he's like, so we're going to do something right now. We're going to do something to free you guys up. And then he, he was leading us through these exercises to do. And then he was like, he's like, he's like okay, so we're going to do this. Is it okay with you guys? And we were like, he's like, it's not okay, but we're still going to do it. <laughs> and then we just all started cracking up, and then we started just like, you know, doing... Um, you know, Korean style worship. I don't know if some of the, some stuff Koreans do is like really, really, um, really funny. You know, one. Of the, <laughs> I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but like one of the songs that, that we sang, we had to sing to each other. Yeah, you know, it's like so awkward. You know, it's like you know, it's like Tangshinun, Sarangake we hete You know, it's like as you sing that, it, it, you're literally saying, um. You were, you were born in this world because you were made to receive love. Da, da, da. It's so awkward looking into each other's eyes, you know? It's like, guys, you know, guy to guy. But man, like, I was the only embarrassed one. And all the other guys had no shame. They were like... <laughs> and I, I was just, oh, snap, you know? And, and being the media pastor, I was, like, the only way for me to feel comfortable was I took my camera out. And then I wanted to catch them looking into the camera. But as soon as I took, took my camera out, they are like, oh, 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 oh. I didn't do that. But then we did that, and that was like, that was cool, you know. God was just, you know, getting me outside of my comfort zone, and I was able to receive. And then, then, he, had, and then he had all of us come to the front and, like, jump up and down, and it was awesome. And then after that, there was an altar call that we did. 
and everyone just came up to the front, and the Holy Spirit just really broke out at this retreat. You got to understand, this is not like a charismatic uh, association per se. Like people come from all different backgrounds, but I felt like there was powerful because there was like a unity in the spirit, and there were people that were just manifesting all over the room. Like I would never have guessed that. And it was just, man, it was, it was just so good for just to be a part of that and worship along with my brothers and sisters in Christ and not have a, an obligation or a duty to, like, perform or, or have an obligation duty to serve. Um, man, it was just so good, and, and it was just so powerful. And, like, I honestly, like, look, thinking back upon the retreat, it was, like, it was like the biggest surprise of this year so far. I would not have expected God would come and touch my heart so much this retreat. I would, I would say that's probably one of the most powerful retreats I've ever been on. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's because I knew that I was getting ordained after it. So, like, maybe, you know, there was, like, the added pressure. Or, but I really felt like God really coming through big time, speaking to my heart in very specific ways at this retreat. And, man, I'm telling you, before this retreat, if you were to, if you were to tell me that it would have been a powerful retreat, I would have laughed at you. I'd be like, no way, man. I mean, this retreat. I mean, this retreat that the other guys went on. But like God, he used to treat so powerfully, touched my heart. And, um, and my point is, the reason I share, t- I share that is because I just feel like, like God, if we, we let God and if we allow God to, he can really encounter us anywhere. You know, he can really encounter us anywhere. But, like, don't we often think that we need to be at some place? We need to be at some ministry, some whatever, you know? We need to be somewhere to have that encounter. Um, and, you know, it kind of, it's like many of us, as we're hitting the midway mark of the semester, and some of, us, some of you guys are going to go home after all this, maybe some of you guys are even just dreading that a little bit, going home because you're like, man, my church isn't like New Philly, or, you know, my college ministry isn't like Emmaus. Like, what am I going to do? You know, like, they don't have this fire like we do. But I want to speak truth to you, and I want to break that deception and lie over your mind. And I want to say that God can encounter you just as powerfully, if not more, at home than here. And God wants to encounter you. And so I just wanted to encourage you guys on that. Because I think in Christianity, again, we just fall into this trend that we need to be at a certain place or or a certain thing. Um, You know, to have that encounter, to have that blessing. But when I read the Bible, actually... I can bring the word into this. That's actually not what I see in the Bible. When you look at all the heroes of the Bible, they didn't have awesome churches to go to. They didn't have awesome fellowships. In fact, it was quite the it was quite the opposite. And we're going to look in the Bible right now. Um, let's let's open up Psalm sixty three. Psalm sixty three, verses one to Psalm 63, verses 1 to 9, and I'm just going to read for us. I'll be reading from the ESV version. And so uh, if you don't have that, that's cool. Just follow along. This is David speaking. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land when there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. Let's just stop there. That will be our passage for today. David, he wrote this. And he didn't write this when he was at this crazy revival. He didn't write this when he was at like a Jesus Culture concert or a Hillsong concert. He didn't write this when he was like at this most anointed gathering. In fact, quite the opposite. He wrote this when he was in the wilderness, the wilderness of Judah. Man, when I think of wildernesses, it's like such a cliche term that we throw out in Christian talk speech. Um, you know, I'm in the wilderness right now. You know, whatever, whatever. Like, have you guys ever really been in the wilderness? Have you, ever, have you guys ever gone camping and, and, and at nighttime you have no light? Do you know how scary it is when you walk into the, in the woods? Like any growl, you're like, oh, oh, you know, what, what went on, you know? It's like when you go to the bathroom, it's like grown men are like, hey, let's go together, <laughs> you know? It's like, well, this is our scary places. And if that's not enough, David, not only is he in the wilderness, 
But he's been like outcasted. He was a former prince. He was a former hero of the nation. Like he killed Goliath. Like this guy was the man, but he gets kicked out by this insecure, jealous uh, king who's out um, running, like gunning for his life. Like this guy is out to kill him. Like he's running for his life right now from this king and these mercenaries. And man, this is not the most conducive and most ideal environment for encounter with God. If you think about it in one sense. Like, if I were David, I'd be having anxiety attacks regularly each day. You know, I, I'd, I'd be, like, sleeping with a knife, you know, by my bed. And if someone woke me up, I'd be like, who is it? You know, it's just, it's just like Gladiator, you know? When Russell Crowe had his knife by his... Okay, anyways, maybe a bit too old for some of you guys. But, um, but like, man, it's just you, it's a situation where you have to look behind your back all the time. Like, I don't know how anyone could have peace like that. And... Um, Man, it's, it's not like, have you guys ever been to the, new Hong, the Hongdae Antioch Center last Sunday? It's awesome. We got, like, lights. We got, like, laser. We got, like, you know, lights change color. And, and we got, we don't have lasers, okay? One day we will. I'm prophesying that. Um, but it's like, we got, like, a video stream on, on the screen. You guys see that? It's like, you feel like you're at a concert. And it's just like, it's, this, this is, that was not the place David was in. He was in the wilderness. His best friends were, were guys, warriors who never took showers, you know? His best friends were like the bears, you know? and his best friends were like scorpions. Like, he was not in a place where, like scorpions, you know, the wilderness, the desert? Yeah, it's like, anyways, okay, so it's like, it's like, man, it's, it's like, man, he's in the very tough place to encounter God. I don't care what you guys are going to say, but I bet your place at home is it's, it's much better than the wilderness that David was in. Yet, on the same time, on the outside of those in wilderness, what we read in this passage, he's like, man, my, I, I feast on the richest of foods, the richest of tastes, and oh, it's like, this is so good. I, I thirst for God so much, and this is so amazing. It's like, you would never have thought that he was in the wilderness, unless the subscripts in this passage said so. You would have been like, man, this guy, had a, he's at an amazing concert right now. He's at an amazing retreat. He's, he's, he's at an amazing gathering where the most anointed speaker is speaking. But that's not where he's at. He's in the wilderness where there's nothing. Nothing at all. But yet, although he was in the wilderness externally, what we see that inside his heart, a completely different story. He has a paradise. There's a paradise in his heart of encounter with God. You see, our outside circumstances, they don't dictate our joy. I don't know if you guys have heard that many times before, but you're going to hear it again today, and you're going to hear it often, but it's the truth. Your outside circumstances, it doesn't dictate your joy. No matter what you're going through in life, no matter what you don't have or whatever, it doesn't dictate your joy. You have everything you need right now to be happy, to be whole, and to be satisfied in the Lord. This passage, that's what this passage is saying. He's like, guys, don't complain. (laughs) That's what David's saying, you know, if you read between the lines. Don't complain. I'm in the wilderness right now, but this is so good. And if that's the case for David, I imagine how much more in our case, right, where we can encounter God, where we don't have to worry about some psychotic king trying to pin us to the wall with a spear, you know, where we don't have to worry about, like, you know, getting stung by scorpions, you know, we don't have to worry about any of that stuff, but we, we have a nice bed to sleep on. You got a nice room to, you know, get on your knees and do quiet time. You know, and not, and not worry that like, oh my goodness, someone's going to come and, and chop your head off. You know, it's like, you don't have to worry about all that stuff. Cause you, I mean, David's saying, you got everything you need to be satisfied. Lord, God is saying that. See, the world tells us, the world tells us you need this to be happy. Doesn't it? Advertisements, K-pop music videos. You need this hair to be happy. <laughs> you know, you need plastic surgery to be happy. You need a girlfriend, you need uh, a boyfriend. I was gonna say guy friend. <laughs> you need a boyfriend. You need this cloth to be happy, you know? Supreme. You need, you, need, you need a Supreme brand cloth, you know, to be happy. Um, that seems to be pretty cool these days. I don't know. Um, you know, you need the Apple Watch. Apple Watch to be happy. It's like, I look at the Apple Watch, and I'm like, you know, I'm like salivating. How many of you guys want the Apple Watch? Actually, it's, I, 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 no one knows that you raised your hand there in the back. But, um, but it's like, man, like, I, I'm an Apple freak, so everything they release, like, I just want to get... Um, but it's like the world sends us these messages, you know, and they make these nice, slickly produced videos where they have people British accent speaking, you know. <laughs> We've made this thing very quite interesting and delicate. I don't know. Um, but I'm telling you, um, 
man, I want to speak truth over you that none of those things are going to bring you true and lasting joy apart from an intimate relationship with God. You know, as I'm saying that to you, it's like I, it's, I refuse to believe that because I've heard that said to me so many times. But you guys, like, I'm, I'm like 30-something now, you know? I've heard, <laughs> you know, I've, I've heard it all. But I'm saying, I'm highlighting, I'm sharing my age with you because there's a point. It's like, I realize it now, you know? I realize it now. It's like, I've been through all that. I've been through all the trends and fashions in the last three decades, you know? And I've really come to, like, that profound, you know, the profundity of, of the situation that, like, man, really? Like, none of these things bring true, lasting joy apart from intimate relationship with God. And you see, that's what the world tells you, but the sad thing is, that's the same message you get from the church too, don't we? You know, the church is like, hey, you need to go to this conference to be happy. Yeah, you know, you need to, be, you need to hear the message from this guy to be happy. You need to go to Pastor Christian, have, his lay, have, him, have him lay hands on you, you know, for like three minutes, you know, and like speak tongue and, you know, all this to be happy. You need to go to New Philly. You know, to be happy. You know, you need to go to this. You need to go to that. And, and it's like, even as a pastor, guys, it's like, I have desires too, you know. Pastors are not soulless minions for Christ, you know. Like, we have desires too. Like, there's certain ministries that I want to do right now that, that you know, in this season, God has said no to. You know, and, and, I, and I'm tempted to tell God, like, God, <laughs> you know, like, I'm not going to be happy unless you let me do that. And then... What God tells me is like, and like I don't want to hear it because, you know, it's the right answer. You know, I want to try to spiritualize it and, and get out of this loophole. I've, I've been doing that. I've been a Christian for 30 years. But God's like, Joel, am I not enough for you? You know, am I not enough for you? And it's like, it's so true. I've been confronted in my life to a place where God isn't enough for me. I need to have this sort of ministry platform. I need to have this sort of, I need to have this many speaking engagements in, in one semester or, or in, in, in one, in, uh, okay, you guys get my point. I need to have this, I need to have that. I need to be married until I'd be happy. Guys, I, we, I struggle with that. Um, we all do as pastors, single pastors. <laughs> okay, I'm being vulnerable with you guys. I'm going raw because <laughs> you guys are college students. You want it, right? You don't want fake, right? That's not, that's not college. Um, but it's like, but God's like, he's bringing me to a place where it's like, are you going to be satisfied with me? You know, even if I were to like take everything away from you, even if I were to like, you know, one day you get into a car accident and you lose sensation and control of all your limbs and it's just your neck up, you become a quadriplegic. Would you still rejoice? Would you still say that I'm more than enough for you? You know, it's like, what if God took everything away from me? Can I still say that he's my portion and my reward? And honestly, guys, just a few months ago, it was hard for me to say yes to that. Because I wanted things. You know, I, I wanted that. I wanted to have, you know, I, as a human being trying to live this life, I wanted certain things and comforts. And, you know, deep down inside, God wants those things for me too. But he, before I get to those things, he's making me answer that central question. And he's going to make you guys answer that central question, whether you like it or not. Is he enough for you? Is he enough for you? Because in the end, you may get what you want. You may never have to answer that question. But you're not going to experience true joy and true peace. That only comes from him, him being your portion and your reward. Because all these other things, there's a measure of pleasure. There's a measure of joy. But let me tell you, it will leave you dissatisfied in the end. True joy and true peace comes from the place or man, it's like, God, you could take everything away from me. Everything. Like, I'll jump off the building right now, you know, and, and it's, just, it's just me and you. It's like, it's like you could take everything away, and I'll just, you're, you're more than enough for me. You're my portion. It's not going to be easy, but I know that I'll still have that joy of knowing you. That you'll be my reward. You'll be the thought that I look forward to when I wake up. The thought that I look forward to when I go to sleep. Like, you'll be everything. And that's where God will answer, will answer that question. How many of you guys want to walk in that reality? How many of you guys want to walk in that freedom and that true joy and peace? You see, stuff like that, it's not just for reverends, okay? It's for you. It's for each person. This is what Christianity is about. Christianity is about freeing people. 
It's not tying them down with a list of do's and don'ts. It's about saying, hey, be free from all this stuff because there's something better. And in fact, only in the Lord can you really enjoy those things in the, in, in the second place. Like, be free. And that's what God is calling us to. He's calling us to walk in that reality of just complete freedom and joy. And um, so here are some things in this passage that I look at, and I'm just like, well, Pastor Joel, it's, it's easy to preach that. It's easy to say. But like, oh, I've been in such a dry place for such a long time. Like, it's, it's hard for me to get to that point. I don't know what it's like to, like, you know, like experience that joy in Christ. I mean, come on. That's, that's an honest question. And so there are three things that I kind of want to highlight that will help you, that will um, serve as guideposts for you guys and hopefully encourage you uh, getting to that place of freedom where, you know, Jesus is really your everything. And, and three things that we see here in this passage. Number one, earnestly seek God. Everyone say, earnestly seek God. Well, what does that mean? What does that look like, Pastor Joel? Earnestly seek God. I'm earnestly seeking God right now. I'm here at this meeting. You know, what, what does it mean? Well, one thing I can tell you for sure is that when you earnestly seek God, God's taking first place in your life. First place. He's become the center of your life. Like I said, he's become the first person, the first thought on your mind when you wake up. He's become your closing thought when you close your eyes to go to sleep. That's what I say. That's what David says here. You know, David's earnestly seeking God. He's, and he's saying later in the passage, I remember you through the watches of the night. You know, like, I remember you through the night. You know, it's like, man, I, that's God, you're all I can think about. I'm obsessed with you. I'm fascinated with you. Um, when, you're, when you earnestly seek God, my point is, you're not seeking anything else. You're not seeking anything else. See, they're saying, God doesn't fill the full, but he fills the empty. And I feel like maybe the reason some of you guys are having a hard time experiencing the beauty and the presence of God is because you're coming to him holding on to so many things. You're coming to him holding on. You're already full of so much stuff. And what God's saying through this passage is you need to let go. Earnestly seeking God means letting go of these things. You know, it's, it's saying... It's just emptying yourself and just completely throwing yourself God, at, at God with, a, with an abandon, saying, God, I want you. You're the only thing that I want. God, even if I were to die right now, like, I don't care. Like, I want you. Whatever it takes, whatever it will cost, I will have you, and I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit until I've taken a hold of you. That's what it means to earnestly seek God. And so... I think I feel like for, for many of us, like, yeah, we just hold on to so much stuff. But God's saying, just let that go. Um, it's, like, it's like Fight Club. Oh, that's such an old movie. I, I, I shudder. Like, how many of you guys have watched Fight Club? Okay, I'm, I'm impressed. You guys have my respect. Okay. Um, there's a saying in Fight Club, and it's, it's really cool. I, it's kind of a dark movie, but, um, you know, I do kind of like it. <laughs> but uh, there's a saying that goes, uh, only when you lose everything are you really free. You know, so Edward Norton, there's a scene where... Um, He's just like, his, his passion is like ordering stuff from Ikea and filling up his apartment with like all these nice furnitures. But then his, uh, his buddy, Tyler, Tyler Durden, who's played by Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. You know Brad Pitt. All the girls are like, hello. Okay. Like Brad Pitt plants a bomb in Edward Norton's apartment and then, um, and then he blows Edward Norton's apartment up. And Edward's like, Edward Norton's like, oh my gosh, what did you do? I lost all the stuff. But what that point, what that did, it sparked a new season in his life where because he lost everything, he was free to become, you know, whoever he wanted to be in that movie. That's not what I want you guys to be. But, um, but, uh, but, um, but it's like he lost everything and he experienced that freedom. So even like the world gets it, you know? It's not even like a Christian thing. Um, but all the more spiritually, like that's what it means earnestly seek God, like letting go of everything. And, um, and so it's true. So earnestly seek God, number one. Earnestly seek God, number two. Enter the sanctuary. Enter the sanctuary. What sanctuary? A church building? No. Then what sanctuary are you talking about, Pastor Joel? I'm talking about the sanctuary that David entered when he was in the wilderness, when he didn't have access to any of these things. It's a sanctuary that's not a building. It's a sanctuary available to all of us through the Holy Spirit. It's a sanctuary of his presence. And it's available to you and me, wherever you are, wherever you're going through, 
it's a sanctuary that God has placed in our hearts. He's given us access to whatever we want to enter into it. Now you're like, I, I don't get it. You're just rambling. You're like, it doesn't make sense. Like, um, like, it's like this. When I was in seminary, there would be times, and, you know, I'm kind of like an introvert myself. Um, it, may, <laughs> it, may, it may be kind of weird for me to say that because you're like, he's just all over, you know, running around on the stage. This is like my way to get all my extrovert side out. But after this, <laughs> after sermon, I'm just going to like go huddle in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> just like introverted, but like I'd be with my friends and and I'd be like doing the whole social thing and be like hey yeah that was funny you know and and just do the whole and then and then there, as as an introvert as any introvert here would tell you you need time to recharge. <laughs> Those are the guys. <laughs> go annoy them when they want to go by themselves. <laughs> um, but like there were times where I was just you know like I needed to recharge you know and I was just getting really awkward and stuff with people because I was just like, you know, just so tired. And as an introvert, you just shut down. And, and then what I would do is I would retreat to my car. My car, I would go into my car, and then I'd put on some, some worship music. And I'd spend like 10, 15 minutes just worshiping God. Like, oh, you know, and just getting refilled, getting re-energized, you know, just, um, just having that encounter, entering my sanctuary in that car. And then I would just, I'd just be refilled again. And then I'd come out of my car and, and then, you know, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, maybe I didn't do that, but um, but like that was my sanctuary, and and sometimes even to this day, like honestly, sometimes when I go to the bathroom, I don't just go to the bathroom to take care of business. I mean, I take care of business, but it's a different type of business than what you guys are thinking. I see God in the bathroom. <laughs> you guys are like, it's so gross, but you know, what? hey, earnestly seek God, <laughs> earnestly seek God, right, at whatever it costs. And so, like, man, sometimes the only place available is a toilet stall, okay? And so, um, like, you guys are getting all this, like, imagery. Like, get it out of your head, okay? <laughs> it's, like, the most holy moment, you know? Um, where it's just like, man, I just, I go, <laughs> sounds so weird. <laughs> yeah, I go in this hall, I close the door, and I just put some headphones in, and I just, like, you know, just, you know, get a, get a moment by myself. Who said, yeah, <laughs> I'm not alone. <laughs> no. But it's like, sometimes you got to do that. You know, you got to get, you got to get, get into your sanctuary. And it's those moments that like burn, that's like, ah, oh, it's me, it's me. Um, <laughs> oh, 10 minutes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but like, thank you for that. <laughs> Sorry, I totally embarrassed her. <laughs> All right. Um. <laughs> Let's get past the moment now. <laughs> but it's like, man, honestly, like, those are some of the most blessed times or times like that or just anywhere. But, like, enter the sanctuary. What is the sanctuary for you? I feel like you guys would know better than I. Maybe it's sometime early in the morning when, before your roommates have gotten up on bed. Um, I mean, I remember I would do that. I, I had a roommate who snored in college my freshman year, and, and man, sometimes he just keep me up, and, and I would just wake up early in the morning, and there's nothing I could do about it. And so that time would be a time where I'd just be alone with God. And the storm would be like a soundtrack, you know, in the background. It's just, it's like, hey, whatever, you know, whatever, you know, like the sanctuary. Like God's called, God has a sanctuary for us. And um, we need to enter into that, okay? Um, so that's number two. Number one is um, urgency seek God. Number two, it says in this passage, enter the sanctuary. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter what circumstances you're experiencing, know that you, there's always a sanctuary available for you to enter into. No matter wherever you are on the earth, whether you're in the wilderness, whether you're in the dry, spiritualist place on the planet, it doesn't matter. When you enter the sanctuary, you enter the sanctuary. When you enter the sanctuary, you enter the presence of God. And I'm telling you, sometimes that's all you need. Sometimes that's even better than being in a stadium full of thousands of worshipers praising their hearts out. Sometimes what's better is just being with God by yourself. And sometimes it takes a quiet to hear God's voice even louder. Sometimes when it's just so loud and with all these lights, it's like, it's, it's distracting. But then when you enter the sanctuary, it's just you and God. And God speaks to you. And what you do in the sanctuary, number three, is behold. Everyone say behold. behold. And that's what it says in this passage. It says in verse two, I have looked upon you in the sanctuary doing what? Beholding. Beholding your power and glory. When we enter the sanctuary, we have to get into the practice and discipline of beholding God. Because I think 
if we're honest with ourselves, so many times when we come before the Lord, the first thing we do is we just start repenting of all our sins. And we start lifting a prayer request to God after that. It's like, you know, I, I think those things are important. I'm not saying they're not. There's a place for them. But I think so many times it's like, it's not, you're not beholding God. It's, I feel like prayer time is more of beholding your own self. If you think about it, right? It's just like, God, oh, I wish I could spend more time with you. Look at me. I'm just such a sinner. You know, I, I did this, I did that. And then they're like, oh, but God, now that you've forgiven me, here, 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 here are some things that, Lord, I need. Help me in my exam. You know, get that person to like me. You know, it's like, it's like, it's just so much, it's, it becomes not beholding God, but it's like beholding ourselves. And what we need to do is we need to, God's saying, it's not about you during those times. It's not about you. It's about me. God's saying, I know you're not perfect, but look at me. I'm perfect. Look at me. I don't expect you to be perfect, but look at me. And what does it mean to look at God? It means this. You spend your time with God worshiping and lifting up prayers of thanksgiving and adoration more than anything else. My prayer times with God 80% 80% of it is just worship, worship and praise. That's all I do. I turn on music and just worship and praise God. And the last 20%, then I come before God. And, you know, it's not like a formula. There are times when God convicts me of something and I have to repent of that. And Yeah, that's true. But, but by and large, like most of it is just worshiping God, thanking him for his goodness, even when I don't feel it. But what happens is that when I start worshiping God and getting a proper perspective of who he is and thanking him for little things, like, I start feeling gratitude. I start feeling emotions. And it's not just me, like, physically, like, just, you know, feeling something, chemicals aligning. But it's the Holy Spirit inside of us that responds to the catalyst of praise and worship. The Holy Spirit inside of us comes alive. It can't help but come alive when we, when we act in that manner and glorify God. And so it's not just a psychological trick to make yourself feel better about yourself. But it's really the Holy Spirit's response and his releasing of joy over your heart because you're worshiping God. And so you need to get that perspective. That's why we, we worship and we thank God. Because when we, when we do that, we honor, we honor the Holy Spirit inside of us. And the Holy Spirit's like, you're honoring me. And then, you know, and then that makes him joyful. And then when he, when he feels joyful, we feel joyful because he's inside of us. Amen? Yes. Man, we need to behold God. And we need to behold God by spending time, more time on prayers of thanksgiving and adoration. And what you find is that after you do that, and, you, and then you come upon your prayer requests, I'm telling you, no matter how big your obstacles in your life is, no matter how big the burdens you have, once you're connected to that place where you, know, you and God are like this, and, and, you, and you're like in the spirit, seated in the heavenlies with God, like all that stuff becomes really small. And like stress, it's just like, why did I even stress out about that? You know? It's like, I don't, I, don't need, I don't need this. You know, God's more than enough. He's my portion. He's my reward. Even if I fail on these things, um, I saw you. Okay. <laughs> She's like... <laughs> Uh, even if I fail on those things, it's like, it doesn't matter. Because God is the creator of the universe. I'm not a failure to him. You know, he's going to, you know, find some way to sort it out in the end. And God does. Um, and so we need to spend more time beholding and, and getting to a mode of thanksgiving and adoration. And even, like, over our personality. Guys, like, I'm, I'm the kind of type, again, introverts, we're really bad at this. Um, extroverts, too, I guess, sometimes. But um, introverts... Like, we, we tend to be very self-critical. Yeah. we like, we just like, I wish I was more selfless, more generous, more this and that. I wish, da, da, da. I'm like, I'm no different. Like, I look at myself and I'm just like, man, you know, I wish I was, you know. <laughs> it's like, sometimes I'm struck by my own selfishness all the time. You know, when I look at the staff at church, I'm like, man, there's some of the most godliest people that I know, that I love and I admire. And then when I try to measure myself, when I compare myself to them, I'm just like, I get, I get really depressed. It's like, I'll never be like this person. I'll never be like that person. I'll never be like this person. And, and like, I can, I can tend to get into the habit of being, of, of praying prayers to God. Like, God, change my heart. Make me like this. Make me more loving. You know, make me that when I eat food that I'm willing to share with other people. Oh, it's so hard for me, God. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Don't laugh at me. You guys struggle with the same thing, some of you. And, um, but what I'm finding these days is that when I spend time with God, when I spend time gazing into his presence, his glory, and that's all I do without bringing stuff up, honestly, what's really cool is that I actually feel more generous. I actually feel more selfless. I feel more loving than if I had spent an hour praying for those things directly. Like, isn't that crazy? Isn't that cool how that works? I didn't even ask for it. But it's like when I behold God, I just become like that. 
You know, it's like I don't have to strive. It just comes out naturally. Like I even surprised myself. You know, like if I was, if I was, if, my, if there was an occasion that came up where my natural instinct would have been like, Wah! you know, and like I don't do that, but I'm like, bless you. It's like, well, you know, what happened to me? Like I had those moments where like, well, man, what's going on? And it's because I spent time beholding God, and because of that, there's been something supernatural happening in my heart. And and it's like you can't explain it. You know, you can't use psychology. It doesn't work. You know, it's it's the Holy Spirit being edified and him manifesting without you even trying. That's what we call not striving when we behold God. You see, you become what you behold. You know, and, some, and so many of us, we just, we're looking at ourselves and, and you're not getting anywhere. You're like going in a circle. You know, because all you're doing is looking at yourself and you're becoming like that. And you're like, oh, why? You know, back and forth until you become depressed, bitter, and leave church. You know, it's like so many of us like, but what we need to do is we need to look at God. There's a saying that I've heard, um, and it's, it's, it, ch- it touches me to this day. It, this is God speaking. God saying, if you will be impressed with me, I will leave my impression on you. That's good, huh? That's good. I used to be in the House of Prayer ministry, and that was some, something that was shared with me during my internship there um, in IHOP, Kansas City. But it's something that's, that stuck with me. Um, if you will be impressed with me, I'll leave my impression on you. If we will become impressed with God, he will leave his impression on us. How many of you want God's impression on you? How many of you want God's glory? And it's not just like nice one-liner. It's, it's in the Bible. It's spiritual. 2 Corinthians 3, 8. You don't have to turn there. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is a spirit. Um, Darn it, choose a wrong translation. It's not contemplate. I was supposed to say behold. In some translations it says, we, who, we all who with unveiled faces behold the Lord's glory. Behold, we become transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. It's not, about, it's not about us trying to do something. It's not about us saying these prayers and fasting and repenting and, and wailing. And, you know, it's none of that. It's like, no, just shut up. You know, just behold God's glory. And when you do that, Scripture promises we become transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. You know, it's not like it stops, it continues. There's stuff inside of you being regenerated. There's stuff inside of you being redeemed and sanctified that you don't even know is there. You know, that's the cool part about that. Like, worshiping God is the most coolest thing. (laughs) Think about it. That's what God does to you. And so... Guys, we need, to, we need to be in that place where we earnestly seek God, where we enter the sanctuary, and where we behold God. Guys, it's not so much about our settings. It's not so much about our surroundings. It's about our approach and the posture of our hearts in pursuing the Lord determines the level of joy and peace we experience in any place around the world. I just want to share something. Brother Yoon, Brother Yoon, he's a, a, a very famous uh, underground church house church leader. In China, the underground church is banned and, you know, and, and, and you know, they get persecuted. This guy planted hundreds of churches, underground church. But one time, and he got thrown in prison so many times. And uh, one time he was in prison and he was just, rege- he was just depressed. He was like, God, I've, I've appointed so many churches all over China with house church leaders and here I'm, I in prison. I can't be there for them. I can't be there to help them, counsel them, get them through the tough times. And, um, and he was just like, he just felt like totally useless being in prison. But then, and then he began to drop out of spending time with God. He began to just be focused upon uh, prison work and whatever. And, and he, he, he just lost intimacy with God. And all of a sudden, he just felt so depressed. And then something happened where he just, all of a sudden, was like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Just because I'm in prison doesn't mean that I can't experience God's presence here. He's still with me right here in this prison. And so he would go back in the, in the prison. He, 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 would, he would live his prison life with a renewed focus on the word because he memorized like most of scripture and just like worshiping God. And, uh, and he said this. Because people were like, Brother Yoon, didn't you suffer for Jesus? Didn't you suffer for him in prison? And he said this. I didn't suffer for Jesus in prison. No. I was with Jesus. And I experienced his very real presence, joy and peace every day. It's not those in prison for the sake of the gospel who suffer. The person who suffers is he who never experiences God's intimate presence. 
That'll preach. No excuses, guys. Apostle Paul, he, he, Brother Yoon is just being like the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul says in Philippians, in Philippians, that's the book, one of the books that he wrote while he was in prison. But ironically, that book is also known as the book of joy. Because Paul's like, I'm feeling so much joy right now, you know? I got these chains, but who cares? You know, the gospel is being preached and it's going forth. And, oh, whether from true motives or not, that's fine. I have so much joy in my heart right now. Everything is so good. It's like, wow. It's because he experienced God's intimate presence. No matter where he was at. And so he says in Philippians 4.12, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content. In every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. He says in 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. That's the secret to joy. It's not the outside determines your joy. It's the inside. It's the measure of your heart's surrender to Christ that determines joy. It's the measure of your heart's surrender to Christ that determines your joy. Think about that. Chew on that. It will minister to you. Mm, that's good. Oh, man. I'm so sorry, Bernadette. So I was in Kansas City, and um, while I was there, my internship, it was the most glorious time. If you guys ever heard of IHOP Kansas City, it's very well known because it's a place where 24-7 worship goes on. Um, 24-7. I've been doing it 15 years. It's the most annoying place where you step in, and as soon as you step in, like, you just want to read the Bible because everyone around you is reading the Bible. And like, I didn't want to leave that place after three months. I wanted to stay there. But God called me back to New Jersey and helped build a house of prayer I have Eastern Gate from 2010 to 2012. And at Eastern Gate, it was anything but IHOP Kansas City. It's like a rundown building. It smells like mildew inside. People out of tune worship leaders singing, I love you, Lord. But like, we had no one else to sing. So like, we just, we went to desperate measures, you know, to get some sort of worship going on. And, you know, it was just like, the worst, it was like, oh my goodness, it was terrible. It was so tough. And I was tempted to get depressed. But then, in my heart, honestly, I just made a resolve. I'm like, God, I'm going to worship you with all my heart. During this worship time right now, with this person playing the keyboard, I'm going to worship you right now. And I'm going to just give you all I have. And I did that. And I'm telling you, it just launched me into a season of a renewed, fresh intimacy and encounter with God. Actually, to be honest, that's more memorable to me than my times in Kansas City, the times that I spent. And then I learned an important lesson. It's not about the place that you're at, but it's about your heart's posture with the Lord. And so I want to just, uh, I know I went long. I want to leave that word with you guys today, that God can use anything to bless you guys. But what is your heart's posture? How much are you surrendered to God? Because the degree to which you feel joy and you feel his presence and you feel his delight and you feel the peace and holiness that comes from knowing God it's correlated to the degree of your surrender. And I feel like some of you, it's like you're in that gray area, you know? Like you, you have your handful of the world, but you, you also have your handful of God. And God's like, you can walk in that. But, you know, maybe that's why you're not feeling that joy. Maybe you're not feeling that breakthrough as other people are. I feel like today God's just saying, hey, guys, let's go all in. I'm not trying to, like, control you. Like, I want to give you joy. Like, I want to make your heart come alive. I want your heart to burn. But it's not going to burn when you're looking to this kind of stuff. Look at, look at me. Learn that secret where he's more than enough for you. And I'm telling you, you will have that joy. You will have that freedom your entire life, no matter what comes across, no matter, no matter what your life ends up being, no matter if you die for, die for the gospel, no matter if you live, whatever, whatever the case, that is the secret of joy. That is the secret of peace. God is enough. Let's pray.